This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It's Friday, December 1st. We're talking some Indians baseball as we bring in MLB.com's Anthony Castrovins. Anthony, thanks very much for taking the time. We'll get into some of the decisions being made about arbitration-eligible players, the Indians with several of those. But first, let's start off. A little bit of changes in the organizations or promotions. And a um, couple of guys, Mike Chernoff, the GM, talked about Bud Grant and Scott Barnsby. When a team has success, those guys sometimes fall through the cracks, the people in the front office there and the jobs they're doing. So they were promoted today. Just talk a little bit about Grant and Barnsby and what they mean to the organization. Brad Grant's been absolutely huge for this organization. You think about um, how far their drafts have come uh, in the last you know, decade or so. They used to be routinely criticized for uh, you know, some first-round picks or early prominent picks gone awry. Um, but, you know, under Grant, you're talking about Francisco Lindor, uh, you know, Tyler Naquin, of course, had a great rookie year for them. Uh, Clint Frazier, who was a huge trade piece. Brad Zimmer, um, who had, had an instant impact uh, here in 2017. Justice Sheffield was a huge trade piece as well. So um, they've had a much better track record under Brad Grant. So uh, well-deserved for him. He'll branch out into a more widespread role in, in baseball operations. I'm sure he'll still uh, have a hand on the amateur side and um, and be a tremendous resource for the, for those guys under him, but um, but it, it's really a chance for him to kind of spread his wings and, and deservedly so because he's made a, a huge impact on this organization. Um, and Barnsby, you know, frankly, I don't know him as well uh, on a personal level, but uh, I, I'm just going to go with their uh, their guidance and wisdom on this one because it's been obviously a uh, a tremendous front office uh, tree, if you will, uh, and, and be it you know guys who have stayed with the Indians or even guys who have uh, branched off to other things. Um, so Scott Barnsby is, is part of that lineage and uh, gets a great opportunity to kind of influence the draft here uh, moving forward. But but again, I, I think to me the, the the big news here and the big takeaway was just uh, you know Brad Grant really being rewarded for for having such a huge hand in in this organization. It, it's so vital for them uh, to to do well in the draft. We know that because as we see, as I'm sure we'll see this winter, you know, it's, it's not about spending money with this organization. There's a rare instance like Edwin Encarnacion a year ago, but by and large, you got to build from within. You got to have that pipeline and, and they've turned out some really quality players here in recent years. Yeah, that definitely that, that connection between the GM and then the people that work for him is so important. And sometimes they only get noticed if something goes wrong. So it's nice to see them get noticed when uh, they're doing something right and get that recognition uh, promotional as well. Um, let's go on to some of the arbitration eligible players. We're talking right now on Friday and tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. Decisions have to be made. The Indians with seven arbitration eligible players they're making decisions on. Um, I had seen Abraham Almonte might be the only non-tender candidate. But what have you heard, Anthony, in terms of the, the arbitration eligible guys with Cleveland? Yeah, and well, and by the time people listen to this, I, I guess we'll see what uh, has happened. But uh, you know, to my eyes, I don't think they have any non-tenders. You know, Amante would probably be the one guy, maybe most on the bubble. But 
um, you know, have the option with him. And, um, it, you know, we're, we're talking about a minuscule amount of money for a guy who's, who's given them some nice production, you know, when healthy uh, in the past. So um, I, I think he's kind of a valuable depth piece for this organization. So I, I, I see them tendering all those guys' contracts. Um, I guess you could say, you know, maybe Zach McAllister would be another, maybe a bubble guy in normal circumstances. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, this team just lost Brian Shaw and, and Joe Smith. Uh, well, I shouldn't say lost. You know, those guys are both free agents. We'll see what happens in free agency. But, um, you know, bullpen depth is, is obviously very vital in this game. And McAllister, you know, has is, is had some really nice stretches for this club. So, uh, and Dan Otero, of course, as well. Neither of those guys were on the uh, Division Series roster. But um, I think there's a lot of clubs who would have rostered them in a Division Series environment. Just kind of spoke to the depth of the pitching staff in general. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't see any non-tenders coming out of this, but we'll see what happens later tonight. Right. Well, we'll check back with you, and then we'll see if uh, you're <laughs> totally right on that or not. Let's, I, I'm sh- I assume you will be for sure. Uh, you mentioned uh, Edwin Encarnacion earlier, and the Indians kind of waited out the free agency process last year, and they that was quite a pickup for um, a really good dollar amount to be able to bring Encarnacion in, put him in the middle of that order, and it immediately paid dividends. What do you see the Indians doing in free agency this year? Same type of process, the way they're looking at it. Uh, obviously, the winter meeting's two weeks away, or do you expect them to kind of go slow in this process like they did last year? Yeah, I, I, it will be similar from that standpoint where, you know, kind of waiting for the market to come to you rather than you pursuing it. I mean, a year ago at this time, if we would have been doing this uh, podcast, I would have said they have no chance at Edwin Encarnacion. I think that they might have said, something similar you know maybe not quite as strong but but something very similar and then you know things really started to change really around the time of the winter meetings um and then you know shortly thereafter things really gained momentum so um but the difference this year is that they signed Encarnacion he's on their books now and I don't know I I think when you look at uh their roster complexion right now with Encarnacion in tow with some guys getting raises from their contracts with some arbitration eligible guys they're basically payroll-wise at where they were going into 2017, which was already a franchise record payroll. So I don't see much addition going on here, not on a seismic level. They obviously have to make some moves. They have holes to fill. Um, But I don't think it's going to be anything quite to that level. Um, I do think you always hold out the possibility with the way MLB's market has evolved in recent years and the way power has been depreciated in particular that, you know, maybe something does fall back to them. Um, you know, I went into the winter thinking, I went into the season thinking they have no chance of re-signing Carlos Santana. Started to look around, but started at the beginning of the off season and, and started to think, well, you know, there is there is an avenue for that to happen for him to come back to them, and that avenue would be the, the sheer depth of the first base market really lowering his price tag. But um, the sense I've gotten is that he's very highly valued in the industry as he should be. I mean, the guy's got a 365 career on base percentage. I think that stat right there um, has tremendous value in today's game. You know, it's, it's something that, that general managers, executives really put a high value on. So I don't, I don't see it happening with Carlos Santana, Jay Bruce, maybe just because again, the, the depreciation of power, especially for players North of 30, but you know, I, I think first base is, more sensible pick for them right now. I think that's the spot where they really need to be focused on. And obviously Jay Bruce he probably could play at first base, but that's not his go-to position. So that'll be interesting. But, uh, but yeah, by and large, I expect them to just look for value plays. And, and that first base market in, in, in particular has the potential to help them out there because there are so many guys available out there. And 
Um, and then, you know, Jose Abreu is on the trade market. So it, it's just, there's a lot of, there's just a lot of talent there and that, that could lead to them getting some value for that spot. Yeah, you never know. Things can certainly change in a hurry in those situations. We're talking with MLB.com's Anthony Castrovins, and no podcast, no discussion of baseball these days is complete without at least mentioning Shohei Otani. So let me ask you about him, and then we'll finish up uh, talking Omar Vizquel and his Hall of Fame chances. But in terms of Otani, uh, it seems like every team has been linked to him in some ways, and he's the Japanese sensation, can pitch, can hit, can do a little bit of everything. And now he's set to come over to the majors as the $20 million posting fee has been agreed upon. But because the actual dollar amount isn't a lot in terms of what a team needs to pay him per year, everyone seems to be involved. So from an Indian's point of view, is, is Otani reachable? Is he a guy they could get? I don't see that. Um, I, obviously, they love Otani. I think most people love Otani. He's just such a unique talent. This is such a unique circumstance where, as you said, I mean, every team is in on him at some level. You, you kind of have to be. You wouldn't be doing your due diligence otherwise. Um, you know, $20 million posting fee uh, is you know, a pittance, but I mean, it's still for a franchise like the Indians, it's still a large outlay at the start. Um, I, I think that the problem of course is Otani's got to be thinking about, uh, li- listen, this guy's not all about the money. If he was, he'd be waiting another couple of years when he could get, you know, a nine figure contract, but he does have to think about, you know, the long term uh, fit and, you know, he's going to come cheap uh, these first couple of years. Uh, but, there's going to be an extension there at some point you would think with, with whatever the original team is and are the Indians in the best position to do that? Probably not. They're an American league club, which works in their favor. Uh, but I, I just think there's better fits for him at this juncture. Um, but he's, he's obviously a fascinating figure, man. I mean, you talk about a guy who has a hundred mile an hour fastball can hit the ball 500 feet. Um, I, I, I think that he'll be a pitcher before long. Um, maybe I'm just being overly skeptical, but I just think, it's so hard. Uh, there's a reason we haven't had two-way players at the major league level. It's just the you know the amount of work it takes behind the scenes to be a high quality. High, I think Corey Kluber is a great example of the guy who puts in the work. You know those four days he's not pitching um, to put in that physical work and be a position player or a DH would be a, a tremendous physical toll in what is already a really physically taxing game over the course of 162 games. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But uh, you know the Indians are in on him like everybody. They scouted him going back to his high school days, but I think they acknowledge internally that they don't have the best chance at making this happen. Yeah, it seems that way. If they had one potential lure that other teams don't have, it's to me it's Terry Francona and that, you know, he's managed yeah. big time profile people going back to Michael Jordan and minor league baseball and dealt with a lot of situations in Boston and everything. So maybe that could be And LeBron, be a how about some how about some marketing opportunities with LeBron too? That, exactly. That's a point, right? <laughs> that would be interesting to see. Hey, you never know. We should be pitching this for the Indians right now. Uh, right. Let's wrap up here, Anthony, and talk a little Omar Vizquel, his chances for the Hall of Fame. Defensively, as good as there ever was at the position, right up there with Ozzie Smith, really an icon there in the history of Cleveland baseball. Um, does he have enough, though, to get in? His offensive numbers obviously not great, but does he have enough to get in this time? I don't think so. I mean, certainly not on the first ballot. Uh, I think he's a guy who voters – you know, and then hopefully Kenny Lofton, you remember a few, a few years back, didn't even get the 5% to stay in the ballot, which I thought was really a shame. I thought his case deserves some greater scrutiny. Um, and, and I certainly, you know, hope the same for Omar. Um, I hope that he doesn't, you know, get knocked off the ballot. But I think there'll be enough support to keep him on the ballot here moving forward. But I don't know. Um, his Hall of Fame case is so, to me, 
it's basically you have to use uh, Luis Aparicio as, you know, the reason to get Omar Vizquel in the Hall of Fame, um, you know, because otherwise, offensively, he just doesn't stack up. I mean, he had 82 OPS plus in his career. That's 18% below the league average. So, you know, is just defense alone enough to get you in the Hall? And the other thing he's got in his favor is just sheer longevity. You know, he's a compiler, so to speak, uh, 24 seasons. And, and so that's why he's got uh, – you know, the, these extreme marks in, in terms of games played at shortstop and hits as a shortstop. And these are great things. And, and I love Omar Vizquel. And, again, I, I hope he, I hope people give it some real thought. But I don't know that he's a Hall of Famer except for the Aparicio, you know, precedent. And is that precedent enough? You know, I, I think that uh, voters in more recent years have, have had increasingly high standards for getting the Hall of Fame. Um and there's there's all kinds of metrics now to to really to really weigh these things. So, you know, I don't think he's an Ozzy Smith type. I think Smith had a better offensive career and, and some bigger individual seasons uh, than did Vizquel. Um But again, I mean, Omar's best case is just just how long he lasts in this game in a demanding physical position. And and yeah, he was so gifted defensively, such a joy to watch defensively. Um, for me personally, you know, such a joy to cover and to get to know. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that's enough to get him in the Hall of Fame, though. MLB.com's Anthony Kastrovins joining us. Anthony, really appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, I'm Darwin Zook, and thanks for tuning in on MLB.com Extras. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.